0: You just need to look around this morning and I tell you what, we won't be the only church in Logan that's packed And we're not the only church in Australia that's packed and I think that's pretty awesome Amen. So great to have you, great to have you in church and great to come out on Good Friday just to honour Christ uh, it's, uh, To me, this is what it's all about You know, Jesus never said to celebrate his birthday but we all love a good Christmas uh, But he did say to remember his death and to do it as often as we can, and we do that obviously through communion. But obviously today is a special day with Good Friday, and we want to honour uh, honour Jesus. As Damo said, we have been doing a series called Law and Order Jerusalem, and uh, he kind of stole my thunder because he al- already recapped. But I've got photos, so <laughs> so over the last over the last four weeks, we've been dealing with the murder, the investigation of the murder of Jesus Christ and the first Sunday uh, I treated the church like a jury and I was the prosecution and we addressed uh, we addressed the church from a lawyer perspective and uh, made a charge against Herod and Pilate which might have been pirate uh, Pilate and the Roman Empire and an angry Jewish mob that was the charge the next week, we actually looked at Jesus on the great white throne. Uh, if we go and we would go dress as a judge. Uh, because if you know Jesus as your Savior, you'll never know him as your judge. But if you don't know him as your as your savior, you will meet him at the great white throne of judgment. And so continuing the court theme, we looked at the great white throne of Jesus. The third week, as with all a lot of murder murder scenes, not all of them, and I'm not going to get into the technicalities of murder scenes that don't but a lot of murder scenes have blood and so we looked at the blood of Jesus Christ and the fact that Jesus spilled his blood and I wore an appropriate dressed, uh, colored suit to talk about the blood but looking at the, the power of the blood for Christians today and it can be at times uh, an uncomfortable topic to preach on in church to talk about the blood and, uh, but I think it is of key importance that we as Christians know the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we did on the third, uh, the third week. The fourth week, Demo, uh, Pastor Demo, addressed the congregation again from a jury perspective, but he addressed it from the defence. And he was defending Herod, Pirate, uh, the angry Jewish mob and uh, the, the Roman Empire and basically said that Jesus chose to die. And controversially, he used the term suicide by cop, that Jesus could have fled. He could have called 10,000 angels down. He could have fled Jerusalem. But he himself actually orchestrated the events to lay down his life, which is actually in accordance with what the Bible says. And this morning in church, we actually have the murder weapon. Uh, We will call this Exhibit A. But I have some shocking evidence this morning that is going to stun you and throw this crime into whole new levels because when Jesus and we've been talking about the murder of one man the man Jesus Christ that's why we're here on Good Friday for the murder of Jesus Christ but I have come across evidence this week that a whole stack more people died when Jesus died on the cross this is now a multiple Murder trial. And if you've got your Bibles, open up to Romans chapter 6 that goes through the evidence that many people died. Romans chapter 6, and it'll be up on the screen. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. Now listen. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it now let me tell you something dead people don't sin I don't have any of my grandparents all my grandparents are dead they don't have a sin problem because dead people don't sin we understand that right? okay good verse 3 or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection knowing this that our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with that we should be no longer slaves of sin for he who has died Today we're out, we're out celebrating Good Friday. We're remembering and commemorating Good Friday. 2,000 odd years ago, Jesus Christ hung on the cross. But somewhere in the spirit realm, and I don't understand the mechanics, but I don't need to understand the mechanics. But somewhere as Jesus hung on this cross, you and I hung with Him. That all of humanity died on the cross with Jesus Christ. So that when we become Christians, when we say Jesus, we accept by faith, we accept the sacrifice that you made on the cross. We are baptised into His death, but also into His resurrection. It's called the doctrine of identification. We are identified with the death of Christ. You and I, two and a half 2,000 two and 40, 30 years ago, depending on what calendar you use, 2,000 years ago, we died in the spirit realm with Christ. So our old carnal nature, our old man has been dealt with at the cross and just like Romans 6 and I think verse 4 says, just like God was raised from the dead or Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so you and I should walk in newness of life. When we talk about being born again, it's a literal thing thing in the spirit where we are born again as new species. 2 Corinthians 5:21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God. That we are born into His righteousness. Galatians 5:20 says that we've been made new, that we are new species, that we are. It's it's a new DNA. It's it's like there's two types of humanity on this planet. There's those that were born human, and there are those that are born of the Spirit. Of jesus christ because we have a new we are a new species we have a it's like we have a new dna in the spirit realm and we are freed from the law of sin and death it's so important that we understand that we died with christ galatians 5 and verse 20 Oh, uh, sorry galatians 2 and verse 20 says i am crucified with Christ. Colossians 1 and 21 and 22 says and although you were former, formerly alienated and hostile in mind engaged in evil deeds yet now he has reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. I mean this is so exciting. We, we have the, the holiness of God, we have the, the righteousness of God, our innocence is restored. We are, we are just as innocent in the eyes of God as Adam and Eve were before they sinned. This is not just a little bit of innocence. This is not a little bit of righteousness. We have the full righteousness of Jesus Christ over our lives. But I want to pick up a little bit from Pastor Damien, Damien's preach on Friday, on last Sunday, where he talked about the fact that Jesus Christ laid down his life that he chose to die, that it wasn't some cosmic accident that somehow God himself found himself born of a virgin in a manger uh, growing up in a carpenter's house. This was not a a coincidence, but it was a a divine design to rescue you and I from a lost eternity. So what was the motive? Melanie I and Laura like watching Law and Order. We watched a couple last night, which was just for research, and uh, they always they always talk about motive. What is the motive of the crime? I kind of I don't really understand that because to to me, the crime's done. What do you need to know the motive for? But then you have a look at the cross of Jesus Christ, and the motive means everything. So, what was the motive? Well, in Romans 5 and verse 8, it says, But God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. i read it again. But God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 3, uh, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, in the Bible, it talks about God having certain attributes not not having certain attributes but but actually being certain attributes the three that I talked about it says in John 4 24 that God is spirit it also says in 1 John 1 and verse 5 that God is light and in 1 John 4 and verse 8 it says God is love it doesn't say that God loves it says God is love that his love for you and I emanates out of his very character. It's not something he does, it's something he is. And I want to talk about the motive of the cross this morning. I want to talk about the characteristics of the love of God. And maybe it's it's not something that you've ever really thought about. You know that God loves you. Uh, You know that the cross is the manifestation of that love. Uh, We know John 3.16, for God so loved the world. But what about the characteristics of the love of God? Well, here's a few of them. The first one is that the love of God is unable to be influenced. I remember when I first got this thought that that, that I can't influence the love of God. It doesn't matter how good I am, or thankfully, how bad I am, God still loves me. That I can't influence His love. It doesn't matter. I could spend 24 7 in church and God would still love me as much as if I never went to church now I'm not promoting that we don't go to church my point is that, that the things that we think may attract more of God's love don't but on the flip side the things that we think may detract from God's love don't either simply because God's love is unable to be influenced by the human condition because He loves you Fully. The second characteristic is that his love is eternal. It never runs out. Have you ever been in love with someone and their love has run out? I've loved two women in my life, apart from my daughters. I love Melanie and I had a girlfriend when I was in uni and high school for three and a half years and we were in love. Somewhere along the line, her love ran out for me. Not so much mine for hers, but it is now. <laughs> it's just taken 26 years, but no, I'm fine now. <laughs> but she fell out of love. She, her love diminished. It, it stopped. And so we broke up. Imagine if God's love could run out or if God's love had a, had a time limit that, that, that up to 2025, God's going to love you and after that, you're on your own. Thankfully, God's love is eternal. God's love never stops. Number three, God's love is sovereign. Ephesians 1 and verse 4 and 5 talks about That he loves us according to the good pleasure of his will. So what, what God's love is sovereign means is that God can love whoever he wants. But isn't it great that he's chosen you and I to be in that category? That God chooses to love you. God's love is infinite. There's not just a little bit of love but it's infinite in its size. In Ephesians 2 and verse 4, it says, But God, who is so rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us. And the, the preceding verses, uh, the preceding three verses to Ephesians uh, 2 and verse 4, the preceding three verses are all about how we're wretched sinners, that we're, we're, we're spiralling on a downward trend, that we're fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Uh, I mean, the first three verses of Ephesians 2, I mean, it's just a mess. Humanity's just a mess but God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us. What an amazing thing, the infinite love of God. I mean, it just pours out. It is is unable to, to, to be restricted in any way because it is infinite. If we think about that for a minute, that the Creator of the universe has infinite amount of love toward me and toward you. I mean, it's crazy. We, the, the problem is that we, we, are, we are so finite in our thinking that we really can't get our heads around stuff like the infinite love of God. Like, I mean, how, much, how, how hard is it to think that, that God's always been there? I mean, we struggle with the idea that God's always been there because, because we have, in our life, we're, we're, we're chronological, we're, we, we're digital. We want, we want a beginning and an end. But the fact that God's always there and our brains are just not big enough to get our heads around that, but God's infinite love is towards you. Number five, it's immutable. It's unchanging. In James 1 and verse 17, it says that, that, that God's love has no variation, no shadow or turning. So he, 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 God's love doesn't change. And, and again, imagine if God's love or, or God himself was given to moods. That you, know, you imagine if you got up one day and God was just in a bad mood. Or what if God changed his mind. And went you know what I'm done. I'm done with humanity. Or I'm done with the plan of salvation. From now on I'm going to make some more rules. Yes it's Jesus but you've also got to do this, this, this and this and this. And go to Mecca and do a few things. But God works on principle and his love is immutable. It doesn't change. God himself doesn't change. Number six, his love is holy. He's holy. So his, his, his righteousness is that the love that he gives us and, and the righteousness that that produces doesn't conflict at all with his holiness because God's love has made us holy. We know that sin separates us according to Isaiah. And so we were separated from the love of God. But the love of God put Jesus on the cross so that now his holy love has caused us to have holiness and righteousness such that we can engage with the love of God and his holiness. Number seven is his love is gracious. The love and the favor of God are inseparable. For God demonstrates his love towards us, Romans 5.8, demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If we go to the next one, it's kind of the same. God's love is unmerited. We, we don't deserve his love. We can't earn his love. He doesn't just pick. Imagine if, if God just picked all the beautiful people. I mean, we'd all be okay here. But it's the Gold Coast people. Them and their traffic problems, I don't know. (laughs) But you imagine, or if God just picked, let's just say that God liked a particular race. Now in the Old Testament, his people were the, the, the children of Israel, but now he has become universalistic in the way that he chooses all of us. Isn't that awesome? It's unmerited. My last point is, you can't be separated from the love of God. Romans 8 and verse 35 to 39, one of my favourite scriptures. Who shall separate us from the love of, God, God, love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life Nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What an amazingly comforting scripture that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. So, as the worship team come back, what should our responses be to the love of Jesus? We're here on Good Friday. I don't know all of you. We've got some, some wonderful people from the Meadowbrook Church. We've got some other visitors from the, for the local area. Uh, we've got some CityNet people. I, I don't know everybody in the, in the service. So I don't know where you are with Jesus. So how do we respond to the love of God? Well, there's, there's three things that we need to do. The first one is we need to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever believes... So whosoever, that's anybody that would respond, that would say, Jesus, I accept by faith the sacrifice of the cross, come into my life, forgive my sins. I'm responding to your love. That's the first thing we should do, is that we should respond to the love of God. We also need to understand, as part of that point number one, there's a hell to escape from. Jesus died as a salvation plan, as a rescue plan from a lost eternity. I I love that video clip that describes hell as the greatest horror. It is the greatest horror and Jesus made a way of escape. The second thing that we're to do in response to Christ is to uh, to live a sanctified life. That even as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we should walk in newness of life. That our life changes because of the cross of Jesus Christ. That we were living a certain way, but now because of Jesus and His sanctification, we now live a different way. And the third response is that we should become passionate evangelists. We should be telling our family and our friends, our next door neighbour, the person we buy our petrol from, the Woolworths checkout chick. Anybody that will listen, we should be saying, hey, you must be born again. Now don't do it in the weird way because then it just comes across and it builds a wall and people don't want to do because we're weird Christians. So you don't want to do it in the weird way. But to be passionate about souls, to be passionate about the lost, to understand and have some revelation that hell is horrendous and that Jesus' love has provided a way of escape, that we would tell people about the love of God and invite them to church, invite them in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. You know, as we come into the Easter weekend, I saw a news story the other day that said that they're they're believing for a fatality-free Good Friday. It always grieves me when we do Christmas, Easter, long weekends, how many people die on our roads. And then I always think, and how many people have just slipped into a lost eternity because death has come as a surprise. For so many people, death comes as a surprise. So as every head's bowed, every eye's closed, I wanna give opportunity this morning for you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. And you you may already be a Christian and that's fantastic and, and that's awesome, But I wanna give people that don't know Jesus an opportunity right now to raise their hand and say, Peter, would you pray for me? And we're gonna pray for you. We're not gonna bring you out the front. We're just gonna pray the sinner's prayer and ask Jesus to come into your life in response to His love towards you. Is there anybody this morning that would raise their hand and say, Peter, pray for me? I need Jesus, my Lord and Saviour today. The reality is church, don't go out of this place if you don't know Jesus. If you know Jesus, fantastic. We go out with great confidence. But if you don't know Jesus, this is so important. Please do not leave this place without accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Is there anybody this morning that would raise their hand and say, Peter, pray for me. I need Jesus in my life today. I need to respond to His love. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else this morning? Today, today, let me tell you, your eternal destinies are changing right now. That response means the world. Church, I'd like everyone to stand and we're going to say this in this prayer. I want you to stand as a mark of honour this morning to honour the cross. And I want everybody to say this prayer, particularly the two people at the back, but but I want everybody to say this prayer uh, after me this morning, just inviting Jesus into our lives. Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge the work of the cross and I thank you for your love for me. I ask you today, Jesus, to come into my life, to forgive my sins, to take away the past, and to be my Lord and Saviour. I commit today, Jesus, to following you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, Amen. Father, we just thank you, Lord, today for people, these two people at the back, Lord, that have given their hearts to you. Father, I thank you, Lord, that right now, According to Your Word, there's a celebration in heaven. Father, I thank You right now. Eternal destinies have just been changed. And so, Father, I ask You, Lord, right now to pour out Your peace, Your love and Your mercy and grace over both these people. God, that they would know You and the power of Your resurrection. Father, we thank You today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for coming to church today. We're going to finish off with a praise song and uh, encourage you to come back for Resurrection Sunday. I'm going to preach on the power of the resurrection on Sunday. So I'd love to have you back. Uh, that would be fantastic. But have a safe Good Friday and Easter Saturday. Uh, enjoy, enjoy the best of Brisbane and the Gold Coast has to offer. Don't go to the Gold Coast. There's too much traffic. Enjoy the best of Brisbane and uh, have a fantastic rest of your Good Friday. Thanks, team.